You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to talk fantasy football with Mike Harmon from SwollenDome.com and Spotlight the Patriots with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. And Brian, let's start the podcast off with Greg Rosenthal from NFL Network as we cover the league's top headlines. Greg, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start in Ohio. What do you make of what's going on in Cleveland? It looked like Brock Osweiler might have a chance to jumpstart his career, but now it appears Deshaun Kaiser has the inside track on winning that starting job. I think you now look back at how they've handled the quarterback situation, and you look at the fact that Kaiser played double the amount of snaps than Osweiler did in the second preseason week. And I believe they were really gearing Kaiser up for this moment throughout. And if Osweiler had shown them that he was a competent enough veteran quarterback that could you know, start the season off against Baltimore and Pittsburgh and handle his business well, then he, he would have gotten the job. But he didn't. And they realized kind of what other teams have realized with Brock Osweiler. And if they're going to be struggling anyways, why not let the rookie get more snaps? And watching Kaiser, he looks the part. Let's just say that. I mean, he's capable of running the football in the last game against the Giants. He had five rushes for 35 yards, which is an average of seven yards per rush and a touchdown. I'm not a, a statistical guru, but at the same time, understanding that position when it comes to being able to get yards with your feet, that's the way the game is being played today. Is that one of the main reasons why he's having an opportunity to have an edge over Brock Osweiler to be the starter for this football team? I, I think you're absolutely right, Cordell, because in the red zone, whether at Notre Dame or so far in the preseason or what we're hearing in practices, Kaiser's been a big factor with his legs. He brings that to the table. He brings more things you can get excited about and work off to the table. If you watch that tape from the first preseason performance, uh, a couple of his throws down the field where he looks off the safety, where he moves up in the pocket and he delivers a pass deep downfield. That is rare stuff. And I think when you see that type of talent and you don't really have a veteran on the roster, I believe Hugh Jackson would love to play a veteran for now, but he doesn't have that veteran that can kind of hold the ship. Why not develop Kaiser? Because he's shown he's got some skills that, that, frankly, Brock Osweiler or Cody Kessler just don't have. Greg, according to reports, the Browns would be willing to eat anywhere from 8 to $10 million of the $16 million that Brock Osweiler's guaranteed this year. Do you think there'd be any semblance of a trade market for Osweiler if he's only going to cost a new team $6 bucks? I don't. I think that's too much. If, if the Browns lowered that number, which wouldn't surprise me, let's say to $4 million, and a team like the Colts or the Jaguars wanted to add him to the mix of their quarterbacks where they're just trying to figure out something right now, maybe they could get a, a sixth or a conditional seventh-round pick. But I tend to think it's an uphill battle. And if I had to guess, I think Brock Osweiler is going to still be on the Browns come week one as a backup. When you look at players like the, the Brian Calhouns uh, to even – the Deshaun Kaisers and and seeing the effort that's being put in by these young players. Uh, is, is that the energy you think Hugh Jackson is really looking from looking for from these guys, which is a bunch of guys that's really putting forth the effort? Uh, because in a few games last year, they were really close to having an opportunity to have more than one win. 
Uh, do you think they actually somewhat turn the curve to be a little bit more competitive on a consistent basis and maybe get some wins out of this, uh, considering how they've approached grabbing these players through free agency as well as through the draft? Absolutely. They could have won four or five games last year. I expect them to win four or five games this year. If they had a, a league average quarterback, this could be a dangerous team. I think Greg Williams, for all his faults, gets his defenses to play hard, especially right when he arrives to the team. He tends to have his best seasons. So I think they'll get a lot better on defense. They've got some fun pieces on offense. And I think Hugh looked at this team and thought, burning snaps on Brock Osweiler is going nowhere because Brock Osweiler is not part of our team long-term. Deshaun Kaiser has a chance, a real good chance, to be a big factor for this team long-term. So let's start building for the future. Let's start getting that chemistry with Corey Coleman and Seth DeValve and Njoku and all these young guys that they have on offense and, and see what we can do. Chatting with Greg Rosenthal of NFL Network. Be sure to check out the Around the League podcast, highly entertaining on NFL.com. Greg, let's look ahead to tomorrow's games. We know that week three is all important when it comes to the preseason. Dolphins matching up with the Eagles. How smoothly do you think this transition has gone for Jay Cutler coming out of his brief retirement, considering he played well for Adam Gase in Chicago a couple years ago? More smoothly than I even would have expected, and I I almost feel guilty. I'm way more excited about this Dolphins team with Jay Cutler than I was with Ryan Tannehill. The, the fact that he was looking good in scrimmages against the Eagles this week in practice, and he was on the field in the preseason nine days after he signed, it really shows the comfort level that he has in Adam Gase's offense, that it was really just like picking up where he left off. And I think he gives the Dolphins a little more juice a little more upside, maybe he drives you a little more crazy too. But as a an unbiased fan who's just going to be watching this team, I think they're going to be more fun to watch. When you look at the Houston Texans, uh, Bill O'Brien mentioned that Tom Savage is starting. I think we all know this, uh, but the conversation stemmed more from, you know, sounding like both these guys are good quarterbacks, but you have a Tom Savage who's been around for a few years. Uh, he understands where to line guys up, and it's almost like he was trying to. I guess, convince everyone this was why he was taught in Sam Savage as opposed to going with the player that I think everyone is really buying into, which is the most mobile, athletic, and, and even a strong arm in a Deshaun Kaiser. Do you think this is just for now and just to give maybe Tom Savage a chance because let's just say he air quotes deserve the opportunity? <laughs> I think that's part of it. I think they really like Tom Savage. This is a guy that they've developed for three straight seasons. It was Bill O'Brien's first uh, draft and first draft pick at quarterback. And what Savage did this month was what Brock Osweiler did not do in Cleveland, which was by all accounts, he took this competition as a chance to get better, that he had a good camp, that Watson had a good camp, that Savage has played pretty well in the preseason, certainly outplayed Deshaun Watson in the second week of the preseason. And so I think like you said, maybe they believe Savage deserves it. I also believe they want to just see what Savage looks like with this team because they know Watson's going to play. Whether it's week four or week eight or in a crazy scenario, 2018, just because Savage is playing so well, they know Watson's playing. I mean, they gave up the picks. He's their guy for the future. But I think they believe Savage as a veteran 
went out and had a strong camp and earned that spot, at least for week one. We've seen with Bill O'Brien, it might not last too long. I mean, he benched Brian Hoyer, I believe, in the third or fourth quarter of the first game of the season a couple of years ago. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with Greg Rosenthal of NFL Network. Greg, you spent a lot of time in Southern California, so you hear the Rams chatter. No question, Aaron Donald's the best player on that team. He deserves more money. Is he going to be able to get Vaughn Miller-type dough to end this holdout? I believe he will. I believe if he's not the highest paid defensive player in league history, he'll be close and they'll be claiming it. Their agents will in terms of guaranteed money. I get the sense that the Rams have a, a level of confidence that this is, will get done eventually. And and I just think when two sides really want to get a deal done, it's complicated because Donald has a couple years left on his contract. It's not his contract year right now. Uh, that's why it's taken so long. But you know, you know it. I mean, Cordell knows it. These contract negotiate they always end. The contract always gets signed. He's not going to hold out deep into the season. I would expect it to happen in the next week or two. How difficult it is? How excuse me? How difficult is it in Pittsburgh with Le- Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to give him the deal that he truly wants? Well, it's interesting that he announced he's coming back on September first. So he he put a date on it. He's going to have about one padded practice three or four total practices before week one. We'll see uh, if he's really himself early in the season, but he'll get up to speed, I- I'm sure, in September. It's a complicated contract because he's had injuries. He's had the suspension issue. He's already making a lot more money than any other running back in the league is going to make this year. By all accounts, they offered him a big-time deal, and I think that deal will still be on the table. He just has to worry about injury. As long as he looks like Le'Veon Bell this year, I think they get a contract done. And it could be one where you see it happen during the season because I don't think they want this to drag out into another year. Greg, great information as always. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn. All right. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Immerse yourself in the world of Heard Well Radio. The only 24-7 streaming radio station that's powered by social influencers and their communities. Come for the best new music curated by the most influential voices of today and stay for Herdwell Live, our live specialty program that airs at 3 p.m. Pacific every weekday, hosted by Josh Fisher. Plus, listen in for special contests, live events, and playlists curated for every moment of your day. From us to you, this is Herdwell Radio. Listen for free on TuneIn. Baseball fans, MLB at the Plate has the second half of the season covered like nobody else. With a push toward the postseason, now upon us, listen live as a co-host and myself bring you the biggest moments of the night as they happen with live listen-ins from around Major League Baseball. Right, driving one in the air, deep left field, it's got a chance, gone! Plus, between pitches, we'll go beyond the diamond with interviews, guest appearances, and analysis on the biggest news in baseball. Catch MLB at the Plate, live weeknights from 7 to midnight Eastern, only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, breaking down the Patriots with Andy Hart from Patriots Football Weekly and Patriots.com Radio. Andy, great to work with you and your team. Last week in West Virginia, covering those joint practices between the Patriots and the Texans. Can you handle us for another 10 minutes? Heck yeah. I'm just glad you guys made it out of town okay on the, the windy <laughs> roads of West Virginia. Well, this time we did not defer to the 
app, I looked at a map. Old school technology works. <laughs> Let's talk football, starting with Rob Gronkowski. Where do you think he is at this stage of his career, coming back from his latest back surgery? I know he's been dabbling with Tom Brady's diet. Yeah, he has, and uh, he says or claims that he's not drinking coffee or alcohol. I'm not sure if I believe him 100%, but um, he looks good. Uh, he, I think he looks leaner. I think he's probably dropped a few pounds. He hasn't really told us, um, but he looks athletic. He's caught the ball well. He saw his first preseason action since 2012. Um, you know, it, it's always a question with him, a roll of the dice. Can he stay healthy this year? But you know, people may forget that when he was healthy last year, he was leading the NFL in yards per catch. He was over 21 yards per catch. Um, with all the weapons on this offense and the way I think defenses are going to be sort of spread out both vertically and horizontally, I think Gronk is ready to dominate yet again if he can just stay healthy. What about uh, Dante Hightower? You know, he's now been taken off the PUP list. Uh, give me your take on his condition, where he is. Will he be able to be, uh, be able to play come week one? You know, I, I think he's going to be able to play. Um, he's, he's out there practicing. He looked good to me even before he was practicing when he was off on the rehab field. Um, but the reality of the situation is this is a guy that he hit free agency, and his value wasn't what maybe he thought it was going to be because of his injury history. I think he's a guy that his knee and his shoulder are forever going to be concerned. Those are injuries that he's played through the last two times the Patriots won the Super Bowl. He gutted it out. Everybody remembers he had the big tackle before the Malcolm Butler interception on the goal line against Seattle, and then he had the big strip sack against the Falcons. He did all that banged up. He is a guy that, coming from Saban, now working with Belichick since 2012, I think there's a great comfort between the team and the player that I'm going to need to be managed. There's going to be times where I'll probably miss some games, but when the season's on the line, I'm going to be there. Uh, and he is a key guy, and I, he's going to have an interesting role this year. I think he's going to be used more as a pass rusher. I think he's going to play on the edge more this year than as a middle linebacker. But, yeah, I expect him to be ready to go to start the season. I expect him to deal with some injuries throughout the year, and then I expect him to be there come January when they need him. Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Andy, we saw Tom Brady connect with Rex Burkhead for a touchdown pass Saturday in Houston. How big of a role could Rex play in this offense based on his versatility? Potentially a big one, but I think some of it has to do with the health of the guys ahead of him and what the, the role of guys like James White, you know, the Super Bowl hero, uh, who signed a contract extension this offseason, three-year deal, and Deion Lewis, who has looked really good this summer, coming back from the ACL. He's now more than a full year removed from it. I think he looks like his explosive self. And when he was explosive in this offense, he was unique. You know, early in 2015, he was doing things as a runner and a receiver in a way that made this offense as unpredictable as it's ever been. You know, over the years, they've had these guys that, you know, blunts a runner and whites the receiver. Well, when Dion Lewis is out there, he's capable of rushing for 100 yards. He's capable of catching for 100 yards. And if he can stay healthy and if they keep him, because I still think he's a guy that could be dangled as a trade chip looking for a, a pass rusher, but if they keep him, then Burkhead, you know, he's sort of the third passing back on the roster. Um, he's a guy that will play on special teams. Belichick likes it. He's a four-down player. But I also think he hasn't proven himself as a runner to me. You know, he had a 100-yard game, I think, the last game in Cincinnati. That sort of was his only real breakout game, you know, of his four years there. And even in the preseason game last week, he was better as a receiver than as a runner. He ran seven times for 20 yards, and that included an eight-yard run. So that means six other carries, you basically got 12 yards. Um, so I, 
I still have my doubts as to whether he can be a workhorse if Mike Gillisley is hurt, whereas I think Deion Lewis can run the ball. Andy, Jimmy Garoppolo in that last game against the Houston Texans ended up throwing an interception uh, that somewhat cost him the game. I know it's just a preseason, but when it comes to his performance, uh, how do you see Bill Belichick actually looking at a play like that and, and trying to keep it in perspective when knowing that preseason is not, uh, let's just say, the end of everything, but yet at the same time, it could potentially be indicative to what maybe uh, he could do going into the, to the regular season if needed. Yeah, I think he hates it. I mean, I think if Jacoby Brissett does that, it's a, it's a teachable moment, as they say. Uh, I think for Jimmy Garoppolo, he probably hates it. And Jimmy Garoppolo hated it. He talked about it post-game. He knows he screwed up. Um, and it's not about losing the game. It's about that's how you lose games in the regular season. You do things like that when you need to play in the regular season. You lose games. And to me, that's where the question of Jimmy Garoppolo is. It's not whether he can play in the NFL. I think that's already been proven. He can play in the NFL. I think he's probably one of the 32 guys worthy of a starting job this year but can he be a top 10 type quarterback top 12 top 15 or is he a bottom tier quarterback guys that you know are never franchise guys and a lot of times the difference between the elite guys and the other guys is consistency and stupidity and don't make those mistakes and you know last week we saw the throw for the interception which was a bad decision and a bad throw don't throw it there and if you do throw it there get it the hell out of bounds and then secondly he had a strip sack on a blitz on a um, pass rush that he has to know is coming. That's on him. And I'm still not sure whether he blew the line call or whether he just needs to get rid of the ball on a hot read, but he can't turn away and just let a guy hit him and knock the ball free. And those are the, the plays that you lose because of in the National Football League, and those are the plays that keep you from becoming an elite quarterback. We know he can throw with some consistency and accuracy and move the ball, but those two mistakes right there, you lose games in the regular season, you become a, a middle-of-the-pack or bottom-tier quarterback. So I think – I think that pissed off probably him uh, and certainly is a concern for Bill Belichick as the overall development continues. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber chatting with our pal Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Andy, let's dig deeper on defense. We know how stout this unit could be, but how much do you think potentially they miss Rob Nikovich who decided to retire last month? I think it's huge. Um, We just aren't seeing anyone really step up to take that opportunity. Uh, Coney Ely is the the top candidate, but he hasn't been able to find any role yet. You know, he, he opened training camp, was not on the practice field, said it was a thing between him and Belichick. He wasn't healthy. You know, is he fitting in? And then we see he plays wire to wire basically last week, the second preseason game in Houston. So you're talking about a second half when he's working with second and third stringers, and he, he's not really doing anything. He made a couple nice plays, but he's not dominating like you'd like to see him do in that time. As a former second-round pick, as a guy you hope can be a key guy for you this year, I mean, they're to the point where they had a guy, Caleb Kidder, who played in the first quarter, I think the first series. He's a guy they signed after camp started, an undrafted rookie out of Montana. You know, they have Harvey Longy, the uh, undrafted linebacker out of BYU, playing on the edge consistently, almost wire-to-wire in these preseason games. They are searching for guys that can be an impact on the edge, and that's why I say with Hightower back now off PUP, I think he's going to have a bigger role on the edge this year. But I also think I think they need to add a body or two at some point in the process. I don't think they have right now even a rotation of capable defensive ends at an NFL caliber. Uh, you have Trey Flowers who sat out last week, and he says he's healthy. I think they held him out because they just don't have any defensive ends, and he's so precious right now they can't afford to have him get hurt. Um, but I think they're going to be looking – 
potentially for trades, potentially the waiver wire when cuts come down. Uh, I don't think the, the bulk or the core of the rotation at defensive end is even on the roster right now. I think that's going to be a work in progress. And, you know, I don't want to say it could be a fatal flaw because I think the team is good enough to overcome it. I think they'll score a ton of points and, you know, overcome that. But it's certainly, in my mind, the biggest weakness on the team right now. Andy, I, I, I think it's safe to say uh, that New England does everything different than everyone else. And I, and I think that's why they've been so successful but when looking at the next two games, they have uh, Detroit and the Giants. Considering what we saw in the Giants game against Cleveland with Odell Beckham, does Bill Belichick alter how he looks at these games because of the potential opportunity uh, of injuring a top player on offense or even defense? I don't think so, and certainly it doesn't look like this year in particular. I mean, we've seen in past years where they've rested a lot of guys, a lot of stars. You know, Deion Branch would get sort of the bubble wrap treatment. They would put him on the sidelines, and he wouldn't play in the preseason at all. Rob Gronkowski, bubble wrap, don't play. Well, this year Rob Gronkowski's playing, and I personally think, um, Bill hasn't said this, but I personally think it's a message to the team. I think he came into camp with an idea that this team, the, the early comparisons to 2007 and the 19-0 talk, I think he came in to prove a point that this team hasn't done crap yet, hasn't proven a thing yet has a long ways to go. He has said that almost endlessly, long ways to go. We all need to get better. Nobody's proven anything yet. And I think Gronkowski playing last week for the first time in five years was part of that. You know, even Rob Gronkowski, he got a certain treatment in the past. Well, he's nothing right now. He needs to prove it. He needs to earn it. He needs to get out there and play in the preseason. So I think this week you're going to see a traditional preseason game. You know, it won't stun me if he goes the other way because Bill changes at the flip of a switch, but – um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys play, and, and I mean, defensively, they haven't been very good, um, and that includes the starters early in last week's game. Um, offensively, they haven't really had a lot of fluidity in the passing game yet. Um, Brady hasn't, you know, really clicked with any of these new weapons or the returning stars, you know, other than Burkhead. That was a nice catch and run. So, yeah, I think they're going to play a lot this week. Now, the fourth game, he'll treat it as he always does, and that's, you know, a competitive game for the bottom of the roster guys, but I think you're going to see a lot of the Patriots stars this week because Bill's always said over the years, you know, football players play football when they're healthy. You can't play in fear of injury, and and I think that'll be the case this week. Andy, as we wrap it up, your Patriot credentials well-established, Patriots.com Radio, Patriots Football Weekly. Have you tried Tom Brady's diet to go all in with the Patriots? Hell no. No way. (laughs) First of all, I need caffeine. Second of all, I need alcohol. Third of all, I like to eat meat way too much. I mean – there is nothing about his diet that appeals to me. I, I don't understand it. And, you know, quite frankly, there's some of this science, all these nutritionists who've looked at it and questioned whether it's even um, all that a positive of a thing. So, yeah, no, I like sugar and cupcakes and candy and meat and hot dogs and hamburgers way too much for that. So you're saying it's a good thing that I down 19 Diet Cokes per show just to get the caffeine flowing for the sake of compelling content. Yes, caffeine is good, although I always tell my friend Paul Perillo, who you guys did some radio with last week, who pounds Diet Pepsi the same way, um, you can't spell diet without die, and I worry about that in those diet sodas. (laughs) Andy, I'm committed to the product that much. I will lay my life on the line. Thanks again for the insights, my man. We'll chat with you soon. Thank you, Andy. All right. See you, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. 
Expanding upon the witty and ironic dispatches for which she is known, actress Anna Kendrick's audiobook, Scrappy Little Nobody, offers her one-of-a-kind commentary on the absurdity she's experienced on her way to and from the heart of pop culture. Author's note. That's me. I'm the author. Featuring a collection of humorous autobiographical essays, Kendrick amusingly recounts memorable moments throughout her life. I'm sure I've mixed up the timeline and contradicted myself, but I've tried to get it right. From a middle-class upbringing in New England to the movies that have made her one of Hollywood's brightest stars. I've changed some names to protect the innocent and to protect my mother from people in her book club coming at her like, that's not how my kid remembers that day in preschool. A lot of things that are meaningful to me didn't make the cut because they just weren't entertaining. For example, my childhood best friend Meg isn't in the book at all because it turns out my mom was right. Those stories really are only funny to the two of us. With your premium subscription, listen to every fun chapter of Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick on TuneIn today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, former Rams head coach Mike Martz made some strong comments about Jared Goff, Sean McVay, and the Rams. Let's discuss as we take you out of bounds. On the gridiron, there are clear lines to follow. But from time to time, there's a story that takes us out of bounds. Crazy, deranged situation. It's No Huddle on the NFL. NFL on TuneIn. All right, partner, we're off next week. If you're looking for reading material, because I know you don't get enough NFL analysis with me, you can check out a new book from a respected author, Thomas George. The latest title is Blitzed, Why NFL Teams Gamble on Starting Rookie Quarterbacks. And according to George, who had to come out and defend the conversation he had with Mike Martz, the author says Mike Martz agreed to a 48-minute phone interview in April on the record. Everything they said was for publication in this upcoming book in which Martz just went after not only Jared Goff, but the new head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. Here are a couple of the quotes that went viral yesterday. Martz speaking here. I don't know if he can play or not, talking about Goff, but I do know he could not have gone to a worse place, referring to the Rams. Then he offered a couple of thoughts about Sean McVay, youngest head coach in NFL history, saying that the worst thing the Rams could have done was to go young with the head coach because, quote, what is he, a couple months older than Jared? They hired a buddy for Jared. So that got a lot of play yesterday. Martz had to defend and clarify the comments. Yesterday he went on ESPN 710 Radio in Southern California. I think that Jared Goff is an unknown, uh, really an unknown entity until they get somebody in there that can really prepare him and, and coach him. And, and perhaps, perhaps they have that right now. I don't know. I know they did not have that. And, and maybe uh, Coach McVay is the guy to do that. I, I don't know. You know, there are some really great young coaches, too. Maybe uh, Coach McVay is that guy. I don't know. But um, it's hard to know because there's just not enough known about him until he is actually in the, the hot seat, I guess. Courtesy ESPN Radio, Martz was also asked about the reported quote about Sean McVay. Well, that's not accurate. I mean, I would never say something like that. i, I got to be honest with you. I think it was kind of embellished. It was a very short interview, and um, I think what I told them was, I think there's only a couple years difference between them, and they probably brought him in because of the, his ability to communicate with him. Want somebody more his age, I guess. That's the only thing I could figure. But all that other garbage, I would never say something like that. Courtesy ESPN Radio, not surprisingly, Sean McVay was asked about the comments attributed to Mike Martz. 
Since I got out here, I, I saw that he also said that those were taken out of context. So, you know, I certainly have an understanding and an awareness of how things can kind of get changed around. And until I actually heard that directly, if, if he had the, if he said that, then, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion and I can understand that. And, you know, the bottom line is this. I've never been a head coach before. I haven't won a game, so haven't done anything. So it's going to be a great challenge and we're confident with the guys that we do have. And I know that it's going to be a great learning curve and, and I'm not going to pretend to have the answers to things that I don't know. But what I am going to do is continue to look at myself critically and try to be the best head coach and leader that I can be for this team and this organization. McVay taking the high road. He knows he's going to be criticized about his age. He's just 31 unless he wins. Cordell, what do you make of all of this? A lot of moving parts here. There is a lot of moving parts. And this is the guy that the Rams organization chose. Uh, you know, everybody's trying to, to figure out what's best uh, for a player or what's best for an organization, but no one's in that organization going through the day-to-day process of trying to figure out how can they make this football team better. This was a move that the organization made. Jeff Fisher and Les Snead, the, uh, who was the former, the former head coach as well as the current GM, went through the process of moving up in the draft to grab Javid Goff. Now it's their responsibility as an organization to get this kid prepared. It just so happened that Sean McVay becomes the youngest quarterback in NFL history. Now, I think at one time, Coach Tomlin was one of the youngest coaches in NFL history, as well as Coach Cowher in the Pittsburgh Steelers organization was one of the youngest uh, in that organization and a part of history in the National Football League. There was no conversation being had about Mike Tomlin being young, as well as having this young quarterback uh, in in Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, And of course, he did win a championship before he got there, whatever, but that, 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 I think that's far from the truth when it comes down to how you actually pick a head coach. One, yes, he's offensive friendly. So, of course, uh, the two are going to have to be on the same page. Same thing with Kyle Shanahan and, and also with, uh, Matt Ryan here in Atlanta and whichever other young quarterback uh, that comes along, uh, I think, with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco uh, is going to have an opportunity to be with a young head coach. So it's saying that. I mean, same thing with, with, with John Gruden. I mean, he's a young head coach in the National Football League. He had uh, Kirk Cousins, who's a young player. So at the end of the day, I just think that smokes and mirrors, and he's probably trying to sell some books uh, when it comes down to that. But at the end of the day, uh, it boils down to production. You know, you have, a, you have a defensive coordinator on that side of the football can be probably Sean McVay's dad or even uncle, you know, and Wade Phillips. Think about that. Uh, like you'd be his granddad, yeah, Your grandfather even. I'll do respect Wade to Coach to the late sixties. Been around McVay's for some 31. Time. Yeah, so you know when you get off into these spiels of trying to add up, you know how these organizations go through the process of grabbing, um, you know, coaches, whether it's head coaches or even assistants or even GMs. Yes, if he's an offensive-minded guy and he's one of the candidates and he's chosen, yes, does he fit the bill of what he has on the roster? And it just so happened, you know what? Yes, Jared Goff is young, and he needs an offensive-minded guy because guess what? Jeff Fisher was old school, and he was a defensive-minded guy. How'd that work out? Didn't work out too good. So I thought they went in another direction to try to see if it can work, and as of right now, Jared Goff actually looked like he can have an opportunity to be pretty decent in the National Football League. We just need to see it on a consistent basis because he's playing much better now in this preseason than he did last season, uh, preseason, when he came down to playing under Jeff Fisher. March sounding like my character. Hey, get off my lawn. Clint Eastwood <laughs> from Grand Torino. We get don't know if the quotes are accurate. Still, here's a little bit of advice 
anytime you deal with an author or reporter, presume it's on the record because I'm guessing Mr. George would have recordings of this. You don't chat for 48 minutes just thinking it's a casual conversation. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Take TuneIn with you wherever you go with TuneIn On Demand. Jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip? Download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks and enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are. When you're ready to escape, head to your favorites, hit play, and listen with or without a Wi-Fi connection. Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre, save your data with TuneIn On Demand. Download your favorites today. Can't decide what to listen to? Let your favorite social influencers decide for you. Tune in to Herdwell Radio, where we are partnering with some of the biggest talents on social media to bring you music curated by them for you. From live artist interviews to specialty programs with stars like Tyler Oakley and Connor Franta, Herdwell Radio is the best digital outlet for new, emerging talent and the most popular music of today. Listen for free now on TuneIn. From us to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Herdwell Radio. Gotta turn it up. Turn it up. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Cordell, as we close out the podcast today, we're going to kick off our fantasy football coverage with Mike Harmon from SwollenDome.com. Mike, how are you, my man? and ready for another big run. You know, the, the road to Swole is a long one, and it's paved with hard work and extra uh, quad work. So let's get it. Okay. And, and how far along are you on the road to Swole? I've known you since 2006. Are you making positive steps in that direction? Oh, yeah. We're many weary miles <laughs> into this journey. Uh, many arguments, many many battles. And, uh, again, you know, the road to Quadzilla. So it's it's a beautiful thing. Wonderful. Flex a little bit fantasy knowledge for us and our global audience. We were just talking about Deshaun Kaiser now having a chance to win the starting job for the Browns. If he emerges as the starter week one against Pittsburgh and then moving forward, would he be worth taking a flyer on given his mobility? Well, I I think that's the question. If he's going to take off and run and we start seeing eight to ten legitimate rushing efforts trying to just move the chains and and give them some opportunity to to at least get into scoring position then perhaps that that's where we start finding some value because we've certainly seen that help the average draft value of guys like cam newton that's not to equate the two but certainly when you look at what has made him an elite fantasy quarterback was usually the work done with his leg russell wilson a lot of what he does predicated there Jameis winston now moving towards his arm but a couple years ago remember he would tuck and run and certainly at the goal line was a beast. So uh, we, we never look at the helmet and say, hey, categorically we dismiss them. Right now we'll just put them on the side and wait out to see how that develops because certainly the quarterback position uh, knows no bounds in terms of how quickly the turnover occurs. Martellus Bennett is now in addition to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, what do you expect Aaron Rodgers uh, to be the Reds on target this season? Well, see, that's where it gets interesting, right? You still got yes. Devontae Adams became more of a red zone threat. Jordy Nelson, one of the great post-up players. I guess he now fights for the top spot on that role with Anquan Bolden retiring uh, in terms of the low post uh, possession type thing. Uh, but Martellus Bennett, we know Aaron Rodgers likes to work the tight end uh, overall in terms of his pass distribution. And Bennett is a guy that I like perhaps a little bit more than others. I've got him in the early part of that third tier of 
of tight ends, and, and you can battle depending on how much you, you want to bank on Jordan Reed staying healthy. That's about where I'm looking in terms of his draft position between him, Jordan Reed, and Jimmy Graham, and the oft-injured Tyler Eifert. Those are the guys that I'm looking at in that pack, and when it's all said and done with Aaron Rodgers, I'll roll the dice that I get enough of a distribution given Rodgers' proficiency uh, that I get the upside. Anytime you use proficiency, it's officially a big word Wednesday on the program. Fantasy football, (laughs) academic decathlon, Mike Harmon covers it all, SwollenDome.com. If you have a fantasy question, pick up the phone, 832-688-6346. Mike, it's well documented. I have a man crush on Andrew Luck, but none of us know when he's going to be available. So what's the fantasy outlook based on the shoulder procedure? I dropped him down to 12th in my quarterback rankings this past week, and the more they kick that can down the road, and now you hear the explore, exploration of, especially if Brock Osweiler is on the outs in Cleveland, is he a guy that becomes a, a candidate to come in that they don't want to run with Scott Tolzien long term? You know, the act of desperation that would be at this point. But for Andrew Luck, he's a guy that in the middle of the rounds, you know, if he's still sitting there and, and you, you're going towards the, the quarterback position, you could say, Okay, I'll I'll draft him, but you've got to come back right back with the backup, you know, and start looking at the guys in that next tier after, be it Prescott, Rivers, Stafford. You got to get someone who's fantasy viable. You can't, you don't have the luxury then of waiting a few more rounds later on in the draft like the other guys in your league. It's going to force you to readdress that position earlier. And and if the upside's great then fantastic. You got him four or five rounds cheaper uh, than he should have gone off the board. But right now it's just a very difficult proposition there. And uh, obviously for T.Y. Hilton, uh, for Dante Moncrief, go on down the line. Other than Jack Doyle, it's very difficult to put a lot of stock early in a draft uh, in terms of the rest of the skill position players. And even Doyle is going to be a guy that's right now being drafted as a second tight end. What type of fantasy bounce-back season should we expect from Cam Newton? Well, I think the safety valve uh, release pressure uh, with Christian McCaffrey is going to go a long way. Curious to see how much Curtis Samuel adds on the outside. Obviously, the number two wide receivers for them haven't quite played up to expectations in the past and still looking for Kelvin Benjamin to get back to his pre-injury form as well. The one thing you know is the steady hand of, of Greg Olson to help guide things and be a focal point of the offense. But when you've got a guy like McCaffrey and if the upside projections are hit anywhere close, you're looking at him catching 70 balls out of the backfield and really being a guy to jumpstart this offense. And if that then opens things up for Cam on the running side of things as well, because from the goal line perspective, we might see him back in as much as they want to temper the the use of him in such situations and they can have all those great public speaking points, uh, Cam Newton should be allowed to be Cam Newton and make plays. And so I, I suspect we see him much higher than his current uh, 12th or 11th average draft position at the QB, especially if he starts using his legs again. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber getting you set for week one of the fantasy season with our great friend Michael Harmon, SwollenDome.com. Mike Adrian Peterson's 32. Saints already have Mark Ingram. People will draft AP based on name value. What are the odds that he's a fantasy bust this year? Well, where you're having to draft him right now, I, th- I think the, the bust tag – uh, might might be a little a little harsh, you know. The name recognition certainly might get someone in the room excited, but the amount of hype that's going along with Alvin Kamara is certainly tempering the draft returns 
on Adrian Peterson and bringing that ADP, uh, that average draft position down probably two or three more rounds. Right now being drafted as a mid-third uh, running back and certainly upside. You know, all the reports this past week is that he's starting to show more explosiveness and, and that they're excited that they'll get some returns. Now, Kamara being the pass catcher, that's the one thing I fear. And, and Ingram being a goal line guy, that suddenly we have that vulture position going. So Peterson running between the 20s, unless suddenly the breakaway speed uh, returns. You know, that's going to leave a lot of empty, hollow fantasy stat lines for you, especially if Ingram's getting the one-yard plunge. I think, like Elvis, you'll be buying a lot of TVs after destroying them. Oh, a Robert Goulet reference. Back to you, Cordell. <laughs> Sammy Watkins uh, was pretty uh, bruised up and injured a lot in Buffalo, but now that he's with L.A., what's his value there, and how does he impact Ty Gurley's value? Well, back in wide receiver two is how he's being drafted in that 21st to 24th range most leagues people wondering how much sean McVay can be a super genius and overcome what well what he inherited in a lot of respects uh certainly the trades and bringing in robert woods so now you have two guys the the buffalo reunited uh out west so two capable wide receivers they like tyler higby uh, a bunch so in theory it all runs if as long as jared goff it doesn't look like a, the Jared Goff we were subjected to uh, last year. I went to a couple of games, and I did all my standing ovations for Johnny Hacker. It's like, here he comes again. <laughs> Wasn't that guy just out here? Yes, there he is again. <laughs> Celebrate the brilliance while you can of this future Hall of Famer. Uh, but the offensive line better, right? Rob Robinson's gone. The turnstile is in Detroit. So, in theory, they've fortified things there, uh, which should get Gurley back on track to a degree. I uh, certainly can't expect the, the brilliance that you saw in that four-game, five-game stretch two years ago. Uh, but anything that results in more than a field goal every eight possessions is a, is a big uptick for the Rams' offense. But unless you're really looking and, and rolling the dice, uh, I think I'd rather go in another direction based on where I'd have to draft some of these guys based on name. Mike, last one for me. You are a skilled radio performer. You know it's all about forward promotion. So on this program, hour number two, 525 Eastern time, we're going to talk Patriot football with Andy Hart from Patriots.com Radio. Gronk is saying all the right things about embracing Tom Brady's diet, although maybe he'll have a drink or two. We know he's dynamic when he's on the field. How do you factor in the injuries when you come up with your evaluation of Rob Gronkowski? Still being drafted early second round and far and away the number one tight end on the board from myself and I believe most others that, that do this work. When you look at Tom Brady and his efficiency uh, first half of the Super Bowl, notwithstanding and, and all the concerns that started to raise up on social media uh, in that short term, uh, the fact of the matter is you're, you're looking at an offense that will continue to churn out. Now you have Brandon Cooks that safeties have to face over the top and there's just pick your poison all over the place with the way this offense will operate bringing in that speed guy they haven't had in quite some time so Gronkowski you just know that it's a heavy risk heavy reward proposition but if you can get a guy that is basically a touchdown a game went on the field and solidify that the tight end position is deep enough that you can go find a guy in the late rounds for your bench or even go without drafting a second one that the waiver wire is going to be flush with options but when it's all said and done, he still stirs the drink at the position. Expectations still running rampant for another big year and great sound bites from Rob Gronkowski.
Mike, as always, we appreciate the information. We are excited. You're going to be with us for another season. Cordell loves it when I recap my career and read my resume. Now that I'm in my mid to late 40s, my memory's getting hazy. Did you and I actually co-host fantasy NASCAR shows together about 12 years ago? Oh, hell yeah. We were going through and breaking down the track-by-track track, oh, average God. running positions and oh, last 20% of laps. Cordell, it was, it was really a work of brilliance. And you know what? Based on the promotion, it did pretty well. We, we, we got some pretty good numbers. The NASCAR folks were good to us. It was okay. good to you, huh? Yeah. What's the bottom line? If there's a check involved, they'll show up and say, Hi again, everybody. I'm Brian Weber. We're talking about anything. I think that's the key takeaway. Well, I think the key takeaway is there's an audience for everything. And if <laughs> Thank you, you monopolize bit by bit. Good job. I like that. Look, solely expand. Look, if you could really figure it out how you do a three-hour radio show by just taping a couple of quick bits and, you and know how to talk. To the next, you could have just 18 jobs. Yeah, just know how to talk. That's all. You just talk so you talk. I That's learned it from you, Mike. Mike. Say things, buddy. I learned it from you. Say things. I like that one. Say things. I love that. I'll use that. I see dead people, too. <laughs> Special I'm talking NASCAR <laughs> fantasy. Thank you, Michael. Oh, we'll geez. chat with you soon. Peace and love, guys. Have a great yeah. weekend. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.